everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Uh, today, we have another amazing guest with us, uh, Jeff Barron. He's going to share his journey coming from an event promoter uh, to offensive security. So this is definitely an interesting story. So let's bring Jeff on the stage, and he could share more about your background. Uh, so why event promoting? Let's talk about that. Sure. I mean... It's a long time ago. You have to go back to the 90s rave scene. It's a very iconic part of our, our history, really. If, you, if you've ever seen like the Jinkos and pictures of that time, very different time, right? A lot of fun. Um, so when I first went to one, my very first one, I thought, I want to do one of these. I want to put one of these events together. I think I was 18, 19 years old. And so I did. And um, I got really heavily involved in that scene. And it was a lot of fun. Okay. And and then, so you're in the event promoter scene, like, mm -hmm. how, how did you transition to cybersecurity? Did you like technology? Like, what I aspect would, of that? Sure, sure. I always had, honestly. Um, I, I started coding when I was nine years old. Okay. Um, I, I mean, very basic stuff. Literally, mm -hmm. Applesoft basic. Um, you know, like, you know, Pred, I am cool, go to 10, that kind of stuff. Really simple stuff. Then later, I got into the ANSI art scene when I was about 14 or 15. Um, I don't know if you know what the ANSI art scene is or no, no. Share, share that for the audience. So um, there's groups like Acid, um, Ice, uh, Chaos, Relic. These are all groups that made ANSI art for bulletin board systems. Okay. Uh, menus, uh, when you oh, log in. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, And also you, they would do a kind of, uh, you've seen like crack throws and intros where it's music, mm -hmm. a little scrolling thing on the bottom, and then a little image. A lot mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff too is done. And so oh, that nice. was like a whole separate subculture. But yeah, I've been interested in uh, tech my entire life, uh, especially coding. Okay. So, uh, so I think that kind of was in the background throughout this whole thing. Interesting. Interesting. Um, did you create any notable um, ASCII art that we we, we know <laughs> or we might recognize? Um, if you go to textfiles.com, mm -hmm. uh, if you look for the Atomic Art Pack of 1993, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's an ANSI art viewer written by... Oh, you have to run it in DOSBox, by the way. That's how old it is. But it's written by somebody named Mindwarp, and that was mm. me. So, oh, okay, okay. Well, so definitely. Yeah. Definitely yeah, go sure check, check that out. out. <laughs> <laughs> so as we right, start right. To, to welcome individuals um, onto the stream, we're streaming live on mm -hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you are on LinkedIn, make sure you... Um, that you follow myself, you follow Jeff Barron, as well as all the other amazing guests that we have. If you're joining us from YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that notification button. That way, uh, next time we pop up, you get that notification. And um, we have our first guest comment from today um, from Christopher Frazier. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Chris. Thank you for the stream. So let's get into this. Um, so what, what, um, what made you want to move away from the event promotion scene? Well, about the time I turned 25 or so, so when you're in this, yeah, so basically, <laughs> yeah. so it can, it, gets, it can be kind of strange to live your life at nightclubs. And so mm -hmm. when you're promoting, especially back then, no social media, no cell phones. So you're putting flyers in people's hands. You're in parking lots every single night, almost every single night. Um, you might get some days during the week off, but every weekend you're working, you're working really long hours. I was completely nocturnal back then. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. I'd wake up at, you know, five or six, well, I mean, I'd go to sleep at five or six in the morning, you know, wake up, uh, you know, three o'clock that day and do it all over again. So it's kind of, it's hard to sustain that, especially when you meet somebody who already has children and you think maybe 
this isn't um, conducive for you know the next phase of my life, which was uh, raising my my stepdaughters. It they would turn out to be. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be at the club all night and figure out I could make a move into something else. It was more family friendly. Absolutely, that that totally makes sense. So, what did you move into next? I um well, I went went into IT. Um, okay. I did a lot of PC repair. Um, I was a field service technician for many years, where I'd come to your home, you know, basically reboot your router for you or <laughs> install Wi-Fi or do network drops, that kind of stuff. Okay. And I did that did that for quite a few years. And was was that the shift before you went to security? Um, it was. It was not actually. Um, okay. I mean, I did that a little bit, but it, I really didn't love it. You know, it was um, a lot of driving. I don't like driving at all. Um, mm-hmm. So what I had been into and what I thought I wanted to do most of my life was be a game developer. And so I, I met some friends um, on SourceForge, and they had this open source project called Snowballs, which, cool enough, you can still app get install this uh, this project. It still runs. It's in all the repositories in Ubuntu and everywhere else. Um, yeah, I did hundreds of thousands of downloads. So that's kind of cool. Um, but I met this team and we worked together on this project and it was really fun. And so I thought, well, and one of the guys also on the team, we decided to create a business together. And uh, that business, but, you know, we, we started developing that. And that's what I had done the prior six years before I came into uh, cybersecurity, which I've been in almost three years now. Okay, so an, another quick question from from the audience. Uh, Jeff is asking, "What your background in coding? What are some of the new platforms that you recommend to learn for coding? Uh, for example, W three School or uh, any any other recommendations for those looking to come from the coding side?" <clears throat> That's a great question. Uh, here's the thing: if if you can learn, uh, you could. Uh, C is not a fun language, depending on what you're doing. It can be fun. But um, I would you absolutely I, you would absolutely should learn Python, no matter where you, where you learn it or what for. Uh, there's a free online book called uh, "Automate the Boring Stuff with Python." It's really a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely look into that. There's tons of resources online. Get Python. That's kind of going to be your glue for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to understand exploit development and that get into that kind of jam, it's really crucial to understand how stacks and heaps work. And you can learn that by just Doing like a couple week t- uh, tutorial on C coding, learn how to compile, learn learn what what does that mean? Um, there's, and there's, you know, a ton a ton of sources online for that stuff. You don't have to pay for any of it. That this is like this is not new material. Yeah. And uh, it would really it really will help you understand though like well what is a buffer overflow and what does that even mean right? Mm-hmm. Like what's a buffer? And you can answer those questions. That'll put you ahead of ninety nine percent of the other people out there. Absolutely, and um, so you're doing you're doing your IT work. Uh, you mentioned there's a lot of driving um, right. for those for those that are in IT right now, except for the driving. Um, what are some of the transferable skills that you learned that um, either drove your passion to cybersecurity or made you really want to transition? And how are you utilizing them now? Well, one thing is just being a solid systems administrator is going to help you, and no, no matter what you do in cybersecurity, uh, just, just having a passion of learning. Even in, in IT and cybersecurity together, uh, this is, these are fields where you have to learn all the time, just consistent learning all the time. And there's always going to be something new, and you got to adapt to that. But what happens though is after you start learning, you, you, you see there's like there's patterns, right? There's ways of thinking, ways of problem solving. That kind of go across into game dev, IT, and cybersecurity. 
And it's these patterns that you'll start seeing more and more and more as you develop as a professional. And that that's what those are the transferable skills, whether it's uh was understanding how networks tend to work or like the new the new hotness, you know, cloud, whatever. Like you see, that seems weird. You know it seems weird because you saw like the old product 20 years ago and that seemed <laughs> weird too. And it's actually the same bug because everything's new again, right? Absolutely. So what what is old what what is old is new again? So right. um, I mean I was going to say, for, for someone that's been on the scene so long, what are some of those examples that like um, you remember from back in the day and you're still here today? So when I was a kid, um, there, there weren't passwords on, on many um, machines. Like most universities were totally okay with you using the system as long as you didn't mess it up. They were totally fine with it. The system managers would tell you, it's totally fine. You can use it. Just don't break anything. And they and but these systems were like these massively shared systems, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you could you could just you could log into them and maybe Telnet here, maybe you know, maybe check out IRC that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every when every, everything changed and everybody had personal computers. And now we're back to this cloud model. And I swear I wouldn't be surprised if things go back to on-prem again. Like I w- that would not shock me. Or some kind, uh, of, some kind of hybrid. <laughs> I, I could tell you that um, companies, startup companies tend to start in the cloud, but then, for example, take Netflix. Uh, they mm-hmm. scaled so large that they, they ended up bringing it back on-prem. Um, right. So I really the- think it depends on your business model. So Yeah, um, sure. So with regards to your, your, your transition into cybersecurity, like, what was that like? What made you want to go into cybersecurity? So it's kind of a personal story. I guess mm-hmm. that's why I'm here. Um, Absolutely. My, my indie game dev business, I, okay, let me just say it straight. I was terrible at indie game dev. Like, god awful. I, I, there's this one game, you can Google it right now, Steel Storm Ammo. I think it's like a 50-something on Metacritic. It, it was that bad. But the thing is, you, you have to work so long just to get something. And, and then for it to, to fail, it can be very disheartening. Um, to, and you, you really have to work hard at this stuff. Um, but my business failed. And so I was looking at, oh, what should I do now? And I've been interested in, in you know, cybersecurity and, and, and things of that nature for, for, you know, most of my entire life. Um, I, I used to organize 2,600 meetings when I was 12. Actually, the last meeting I went to was when I, the one I was at when I was 12, Dinglewood Mall, Roanoke, Virginia, if anybody is out there remembers that one. Anyhow, um, cybersecurity. Lost my train of thought. What got you into cybersecurity? Um, your business failed. So right, right, right. So business cool. So business failed. And I happened to look at this newspaper, and there's an, an ad for a cybersecurity degree program at a, my local university. And I was like, well, I didn't even have that program. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and I, I went up there and talked to them, and it seemed pretty cool. And I was like, I can knock this out in like two years and be done and you know, just see what, see what happens. And so I did. You know, so I went there and I started talking to people. I started telling the professors and stuff. A lot of them really weren't that um, well versed in, in things, except for except for one man who really seemed to know his stuff. Um, he was a big influence on me. And what really helped me though was joining the extracurricular groups. There's a group uh, called AITP here in here in Atlanta, and um, I joined that group and started meeting people there, other students. And I met this one student. Um, who told me about B-sides. And I, I'd never heard of B-sides before. 
And so I went to B-Sides and that's how I actually met uh, the company I work for now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> B-Sides is a wonderful organization. I, I, I always felt like I wasn't good enough to be in cybersecurity. I think that's what kept me from it for so long. Mm -hmm. Like I, I always felt like I wasn't smart enough, wasn't good enough. Like these guys are like way smarter, way, you know, I'll never be able to be successful in this field. But I was like, you know what, I'll just give it a shot, you know, start putting my feet in, see what happens, start talking to people. And I didn't realize how friendly, B-Sides especially, I can't say enough about them. They, the people there were so insane, insanely friendly, so incredibly great. And I started meeting people and I was like, well, heck, maybe, maybe they'll let me, <laughs> let me stay around, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I met, a, met a lot of folks there, including my current boss, uh, who, who would eventually hire me. But at the time, I had no idea that would ever happen. I, I just I saw their, their uh, demo and I shook their hands. like, man, these guys are cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about that transition. So mm -hmm. um, you, you did the, the, the school. What, was it mm -hmm. a boot camp? What, what was it? Really? No, it was a little two-year associate's degree program. Okay. Yeah. And was it, would you say it was hands-on, more theoretical? How uh, no, you read that? It was definitely hands-on. Uh, we we uh, put Cali on, on Raspberry Pis. We popped Wi-Fi. It was actually pretty cool. Okay. Okay. So you finished that two-year program. Um, mm -hmm. Did you start applying while you were in the program or did, did you wait I, until? I did. Um, I ended up applying to uh, several places. The only people I heard back from at, fir uh, at first was a recruiter for, uh, for SecureWorks. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a couple of video interviews with them, but by the time they wanted me to come in for a for like a final interview, I'd already been hired at my current my current company. Okay, well, this question from the audience um, mm -hmm. kind of lends to that. What was the most challenging issue that you you faced when you were trying to get your first job as a pen tester? Well, so my so I that's a that's a that's a tough question. It's really hard. So. For me, I started. I started at this company as a security analyst. I was mm -hmm. watching dashboards, you know, uh, alerting clients, that that sort of thing. But they had a they had an offensive security team in place already, and so mm -hmm. I was talking to those guys, and they also knew that that was my my dream. That was my dream job, and so so I made that very loud. And on on, on the side, like I'm practicing, you know, vulnerable vulnerable VMs, hack the box, try hack me. These are great resources that will teach you how to do it. I mean, the basic process is, is pretty simple. When you actually get in the job, it's actually a lot different than you might think. But um, how so? So the basic job of pen testing, right, is you, you find that you find the service, is it vulnerable? Yes, exploit it, go from there. Um, but the value you bring to clients is is this report this massively long report that they don't tell you about you know when hackers are cool you know um talks and stuff you have this massively long report with screenshots it has to be very detailed because that's the only value you're really giving them the company the client doesn't care if you popped a shell on them they care about how to fix their environment and what are the true problems there and are there problems that don't even involve exploits like i saw i had a client that had um 30 domain administrators. That, that's that's a really big problem, but you're not going to find that with any scans or anything. You have to actually, mm -hmm. you have to um, penetrate the network and then start looking at, well, who are the domain admins so I can steal their credentials. You're like, oh, <laughs> gosh, they have 30 of them. Well, this is going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so l let's talk about that. So um, you mentioned you're doing like hack the box. You you're doing things extracurricular. So that's one of right. the things that we always talk about, like,
you get your foot in the door one way and then you do things that show why you're of value. Um, how hard was it to transition from uh, that analyst role um, to, the, to the pen testing role within that organization? And this one, it was actually fairly easy. Um, I, I just, I would, I would volunteer, like, hey, I, I would ask a lot of questions. I would ask my, you know, my coworkers who are doing, you know, my, my role now. I was like, well, what tools do you use? Like, or why did you do this that way? I would read the reports that they would send to clients. Like, hey, is it okay if I read this report? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'd read the report and, and see like, well, what does this finding even mean? Like, what does this <laughs> even mean? Right? And, um, and cause we, we always have recommendations and all the, all the findings as well. And so I would ask, I would ask people like, well, why did you recommend this instead of that? I, I asked a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. That's what the key is communicating, talking, and learning. Uh, people mm -hmm. will tell you, uh, it's not, this is only, a lot of people think like being a pen tester is some, you know, unattainable goal or some magic. You got it like you're a wizard or something. It's not true. It, you, it's very teachable. You, anybody can learn it. it. It just takes time and persistence. I would say persistence is the number one key to, to getting this role. Okay. Okay. So um, you, you had a lot of persistence. You asked a lot of questions. Um, when you first got into the role, you mentioned that um, it wasn't like you've experienced it in the hack the box, the other things like right. um, how, how, dif how different is it in real life versus some of the games or are the games maybe similar to real life minus all the detail reporting that you have to do? The games are similar. Um, funny enough, in some aspects, the games are harder, sadly, than real life. I, you know, cause I, they really are. A lot of the C, I, a lot of you know, Pentester will call it something CTFE. Um, there's a very famous certification, uh, the OSCP. A lot of a lot of uh, professional pentesters complain that it's, it feels too much like a CTF versus the real world. Whereas in the real world, you have no limits on the tools you can use or the attacks you can employ. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are those for that certification. Uh, so the the vulnerable, vulnerable VMs and the hack the boxes and stuff, they tend to be focused on one specific task, but they tend to be more like a puzzle than what you're traditionally gonna find, like default configurations. Um, I mean, you, there'll be, that. there might be, but it might be that, it might be, you gotta, once you get inside, you have to escalate privileges by, you know, uh, grepping through every text file, you know, on, on the Linux box and uh, finding that, you know, finding that uh, random SSH key that somebody, you know, forgot about. Um, that typically is not my experience. I, I've never I've never seen, sadly, a, a Linux box that I've been able to pop. I, I had a Raspberry Pi that some uh, somebody was running a, a Pi hole, the, the DNS uh, uh, software oh, nice. on. And I, I tried popping it, but I didn't. And like the, the one, the other exploit that I had that I didn't try, I was like, I feel like a real jerk if I crash this guy's Pi hole. <laughs> Um, and that, that's actually another thing about uh, pen testing is uh, the discipline you have to have. Like it's with the CTF and with vulnerable VMs, yeah, it, you have this rush of awesome, like, you know, I solved the puzzle and you get that dopamine head of, I figured it out. But you have to be careful with that because you don't, when you're fi live firing exploits at a client, you don't want to disrupt their business and cause, you know, you don't want to be basically the ransomware folk, right? Exactly, exactly. You don't want to exactly. disrupt their business because you can cost them a, lot of money and it's all it'll be all your fault too by the way so, so you, one of the the, the question one, one of the sure. comments mentioned from um mufasa you're the wizard jeff um haggard <laughs> whispered um one of the other questions is with all the learning you had um 
one thing you wish that was actually thought for the jobs or career for cybersecurity, um, for example, how to write a report, what, what else would you say um, would be one thing that you wish that your program taught you? I feel like the program was really lacking on Linux. I, I can't emphasize this enough. You have to know Linux backwards and forwards. There's a great um, online resource called Over the Wire, overthewire.com. You can go over, the, over there, and the, by the way, like those those puzzles get really tough, but it kind of gets you in the mindset if you haven't used Linux before, if you're trying to you know, get used to the commands and stuff. Actually, our intern here is uh, currently tasked with uh, those over the wire okay. uh, challenges. So I think that's a great way to learn it, but Linux, you have to know it. Um, just live in it. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what I would recommend is just quit Windows altogether. You'll have to learn Windows again, but it'll be from the command line. Um, I mean, there's a ton of resources out there, but what's the one thing? I wish I, I wish I had known, or wish somebody had simply told me, "You're good enough. You can do this. There's a path. There's a you can. It's, this is learnable. You can study it. it. It's out there. You just you just um, if you have questions, ask them. Mm-hmm. That that's it. I wish somebody had told me just just speak up and ask somebody. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was OSCP and certifications. Mm-hmm. Um, in your associate's program, did, did you get any certifications as part of that process? Or no, did, I, did you get any individually before you got your first role? I, um, yeah, I, I already had a, a, some CompTIA certifications, uh, SEC+, plus, NET+, plus, A+, plus, Project+, plus, um, and I, I, have, I have Microsoft certifications going back, you know, 20, uh, before this millennium. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's, it, it, they're, not, they're not actually transferable at all. They're like, Win, like Windows NT, that's not really a, I don't know. Hopefully it's not a thing these days. <laughs> that's another thing. If you find something, so recently I found a Windows 2000 box on a, on a client's network. And I, there was like 10 different ways I could have popped it, but I didn't pop it. Do you know why? I, I figure there's got to be a good reason they have this Windows 2000 box in this network that's otherwise okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I talked to the client later, it turned out it was some kind of uh, command and control for some like very serious, you know, um, I, and I don't think it was some SCADA system, but some something, you know, along those lines, uh, something yeah. that would have been really bad had it, you know, had it crash because I wanted to get the shell, you know. Yep, yep, yep. That that would be pretty bad. So well, yep. let's 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 talk about that. Um, when trying to when you're in your 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 pen testing roles, how do you think about like the business impacts of what you're trying to do um, to create that report to show their vulnerabilities and assessing whether it's worth going down that route to show them the risk versus saying hey, this is a potential vulnerability that you had, but I didn't want to exploit it for these reasons and then still being able to sell that as a risk to the organization. Right, so, so what I do is I, I will test for the vulnerability. And, and, and if I believe that, and wait, so let me backtrack. If I find the, a vulnerability and I, it's, not, it's one that I'm used to and I'm familiar with it, you know, I've already, I already know what the OS is, I already know, you know all that, then yeah, maybe I exploit it. But if, if it, I'm not, if I have any blanks, if I'm not sure, if I'm not familiar with the particular exploit, if I don't, or if I look at the, you know, the POC code that I grab off GitHub and I'm not quite sure what that Python code's trying to do, I'm not going to fire it. But I will report it as a finding. I just will put in my report. It's like I did not feel comfortable um, running this exploit because I didn't want to disrupt the business. Um, 
And I think that's important. It, it, what, what matters is fixing those vulnerabilities more than me like feeling like I'm cool for you know popping a Windows 2000 box of the 19 year old exploit, right? Um, it, it's, but it's kind of something, um, it's, it's an art. Like it, you, and you make a judgment and you have, you, you have to stand by it. You have to, you have to take total ownership of those, of those judgments. So one of the questions from the audience members is, in your interview process, I hear a lot of people stumbling on technical questions. What kind of breadth or depth of questions came up in the security analyst role and or in uh, looking to transfer over? Okay, so I say for a security analyst, what we're really looking for is people that know um, like network class, like basic networking. You don't have to be a CCNA, but you should know what a VLAN is. Um, even if you don't, we, you might still be all right. Um, as far as the technical questions go, it's going to be basic networking. Do you understand IP addresses? Do you understand an internal environment versus an external environment? Um, do you know a firewall is? Pretty basic questions. That so, so we know that when you're looking at these reports, you'll understand, you know, what what they mean and what could be bad. There's a lot of on-the-job training. Well, that I, and I imagine it's that way with any company because you know there's so many vendors out there, so many different products. Um, I can tell you, you're gonna be looking at a lot of dashboards, a lot of reports. That, that's 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 for sure. But um, yeah, basic networking, uh, basic sysadmin. But yeah, I would say uh, like networking most of all will will help you understand everything else. Okay, um, this is an interesting question question from Christopher. Do you have any recommendations for books to learn more the business lingo so you don't sound too technical? Honestly, I wish I did. And if you find some, send them my way because it's it's something I truly struggle with translating tech talk into business speak. It's something I've really been trying to work on lately. I've been reading um, reading like leadership books. I just transitioned to a management role. Was not in management before at all. And so I'm trying to read leadership books. Uh, but this awesome book called Extreme Ownership. I think it's a cool book for everybody. It's kind of an entertaining book. Um, it's yeah, but it. it He's identified correctly. One of the hardest problems in cybersecurity is how to make the how to make business people understand the risk and understand the value of paying all this money for cybersecurity. It really is an, an investment in your, in your in your protection of yourself. You know, it's it, it's expensive to to have a defense, but you have to have one. And um, yeah, it, it, I, I have some recommendations good. there. Um, so look at um, a book list called a cybersecurity canon book list and okay. you, you'll find some from um kevin mitnick and other people like that but you also find like um the other known cybersecurity professionals that write cybersecurity for general public and oh, you'll okay. read it and find that it's too easy for you but they translate the technical terms for everyone in a very easy way so in reading those oh, books wow. Um, you can understand like what I did a lot and I have a whole book list of like understanding um, information security from like the CIA operators and how they translated what they did or the, the history in different like attacks and they write it for non-technical people to understand how those events go. So by reading it from that perspective, you can go, oh, well, I, I understand how it works in the back end, but here's how it was translated into plain English, so to speak. Uh, so that, that might so, be one approach. I, I will definitely look into that because that, that's one of my, my current challenges right now is, is, is that very thing. And like, so, yeah, if, like, anybody who can 
conquer that challenge, they're gonna do go really far in this business. Absolutely. Um, so you're, you're one, I, I hate to ask this question in this way, but it's something okay. that we talk about on uh, CISO Thursday, uh, past couple of weeks. Um, you're, you, you did a mid-career transition into cy- yes. cybersecurity. Do you feel that you faced um, ageism or you experienced ageism in the industry? And how would you tackle, how would you recommend individuals that might have might be looking to do such a transition uh, to tackle so, a, anything that you might have experienced close to that. Right. So I, I would say that's definitely out there. Um, I, I know I, my own insecurities may, may me, uh, maybe sometimes see it was there when it maybe it ha- wasn't been. And sometimes you'll hear jokes and stuff um, from, from people talking and they, they, they mean it politely, I guess. But if you're a little bit older, you might take, it might rub you the wrong way. Um, just, I would say just have a thick skin and go for it. I mean, what's the alternative? I, it didn't. It didn't hinder me at all, and I don't think it'll hinder you. Um, I certainly would not look at age as a barrier um, for working for me ever. Um, but I, I do understand that that in the tech business, it is, it can be very common. But and, I, I, would, I would say go for it. Okay. Um, in your day job, you're you're a director, so you're one of more, one of the more senior people that we mm-hmm. we've had on the show, minus some of the CISOs on CISO Thursdays. Um, as you're looking to hire the next generation of those individuals looking to break in, or anyone looking to transition in, what do you look for when you hire individuals? A willingness to learn, passion. I want to see somebody that's passionate about this, and I'll see somebody that that has a willingness to learn, who will, if I say, hey. I have 20 people on Twitter. I need you to follow. They will do it. You know, I, I, that's that's the kind of commitment that I'm really looking for. Because if you'll just listen, like I can put you on a path and get you to where you want to go. But and and that path, it, it's not like I'm micromanaging at all. But it's there's there's a lot of stuff that's outside of the job. Like Twitter, you need to follow like all these people. You not you got to know who Dirk Jan is and maybe have a notification when he sends out a tweet because. That guy, that researcher is amazing. And there's a, a, you know, a ton of other amazing researchers that you need to be following. Um, as far as other things, I, w- I would encourage them to you know, volunteer work and as far as cybersecurity goes. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of cool stuff in, in that regard. So I personally volunteer for a group called the CTI League. Really great group, really good people there. Okay, perfect. Um, well, we're, we're over our half hour mark, but I, I just <laughs> wanted to continue the conversation because it was so juicy. Um, sure. The last question I typically ask is if you had to summarize everything that you experienced and uh, what you went through as one piece of uh, advice for those looking to follow in your footsteps, what would that be? One piece of advice. Never stop learning and never give up. Just never stop learning. Keep learning. Learn everything. Read everything. Why not? I, I had a lot of free time and during my during my the, the transition between indie game dev and going going back to school, and I just read everything all the time. And you know, somebody I dropped out of college uh, to pursue my my rave promotion stuff, and I always felt less than. I always felt like I was dumber than everybody else because I dropped out of college. So I always, every chance I could, I read everything I could find, always uh, on all subjects too. By the way, um. To be, to be like really good at cybersecurity, you don't necessarily need a computer, like you need that computer science background, I would say IT background, but there's a lot of stuff like philosophy and the social sciences that could be extremely helpful with with the with what the issues we deal with every day. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And thank, so thank you so much for that. Um, I, I personally believe in CICD um, and that is continuous sure. learning, continuous development. Um, I myself always uh, promote that. Um, thank you so much for your time. Those individuals following us on LinkedIn, ensure you follow Jeff, ensure, ensure you follow me, our other co-hosts, our other guests. Um, if you're following us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to share with others. That's how we could get more diverse individuals into this, into this field. We need diversity of thought, diversity of experience, and diversity of background. Um, we're not just talking gender. We're not just talking skin color. We're talking everything. We need diversity of everything in this field. So share with as many people as you like. Um, get them all coming in. Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.